And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Fleet Matthews Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are around the world. Peter Livingstone is with me today. He is an investor, consultant, a former mine manager. Uh, he has a, a, a bachelor's of science in, in mining uh, engineering from New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology. Uh, having achieved financial independence at a relatively young age, uh, he now dedicates much of his time and life to volunteering to organizations. His articles on evidence-based investing and financial decision-making have appeared in Psychology Today and the Huffington Post. How are you, Peter? Yeah, I'm great, Felipe. Thanks. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. Well, you know, I'm always excited about, um, if not how to make money or how to, uh, even better, how to save it or then how to grow it. I think you're an expert on pretty much all three of those aspects. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd hesitate to call myself an expert. Um, there's lots of professionals out there, but I think through my life, I've uh, kind of absorbed a lot of good uh, good stuff that has helped me to be successful, and uh, I like to kind of spread uh, spread what I've done and my type of, of thinking that's helped me. Now, in our conversations, you talked about this uh, concept I had never heard of before called evidence-based investing. Can you break that out and unpack that for us? Yeah, uh, you could probably get, uh, you know, several different um, definitions of that. But um, to me, it's it's basically um, taking, approaching investing like a science, um, understanding, you know, that we all have emotions and we we can tend to make emotional decisions that can hurt us. But there's also a lot of good um, kind of a scientific method behind financial decision-making and investing that we can use um, to help us make better decisions, um, things that will help us uh, achieve our, our goals, uh, you know, whether it be a specific financial goal or just kind of a general, like I want to start uh, building up my retirement savings or uh, stop losing money on, you know, certain things I do. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the, um, I guess it's a combination when it comes to uh, evidence-based investing. Some of the things you talk about is modeling historical financial data. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of uh, people out there these days that push different types of investments like uh, real estate or you might hear some of these ads on radio or TV about buying gold or buying certain things. And one thing I like to do is just is kind of use historical evidence. Um, you know, you can go back uh, financially, financial records go back hundreds of years on, say, the stock market, on interest rates, uh, gold, um, you know, just various asset classes like that. And look and say, okay, you know, here's a guy, say, pushing his real estate business. Um, what, what is the base case? For real estate in this country, um, you know what what has it done? Typically, um, you know, broad-based real estate has pretty well kept up with inflation. If you buy a house, um, you know, maybe for ten thousand uh, dollars, your parents bought a house sixty years ago, and uh, you know now it's worth a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's maybe kept up with inflation. Um, compare that to the overall stock market, like the you know, investors have probably heard of the S&P 500, uh, just a broad stock market index 
for the United States. Um, compare what that's historically done, and you're much better off uh, investing in just a broad mix of, of stocks uh, in the United States, or even you can go globally and get uh, you know something approaching about a 10% return on your money. Now that's for a long you know long enough period of time. And it's going to have some, have some ups and downs. Um, but just kind of taking the, a long-term broad view approach like that, um, you know, so if, if a person say is starting out investing and has a long time frame, like they're, you know, whatever, say 30 years old, has a job, uh, can save some money for retirement. Um, you look at historically numbers like that and say, well, I think the, the next, you know, 30 or 40 years is probably going to be about the same um, as it's been historically for a few hundred years. Um, and it's pretty easy to see which, uh, you know, which approach is going to benefit you in that, you know, that time horizon. So you also talk about risk and uncertainty is another aspect yeah. of, of, of evidence-based investing. Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of risk and uncertainty uh, is incorporated with your time horizon as well. Um, so, you know, I, I gave the example before of somebody, say, investing for retirement who's maybe 30 years old and has another 30 years to go. Um, there's a risk if you put your money in the stock market that say uh, there could be a stock market crash tomorrow and your investment's going to drop in half. Um, mm. So there's a you know there's a risk risk there. If you put your money in cash, um, you probably you know you, 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 the the United States dollar in general doesn't just crash like the stock market does, um, you know, barring something catastrophic that's never really happened in this country, um, or at least hasn't happened in a you know since the Great Depression. Um, so there's that short-term risk involved. Uh, so if, you know, if, if, if you're looking at saving up money, say to buy a, put a down payment on a house in a year or a couple of years, um, there's certainly a risk with putting it in the stock market. So if you're, if your time horizon is real short term, um, you know, you probably don't want to be in the stock market. You want to be in something safe, like, uh, you know, maybe a savings account in the bank. You're, you're not going to get any interest, mm -hmm. uh, or any, any to speak of, but, your money is going to be probably insured by the FDIC and whatnot. Um, so it's really a matter of your your time horizon, your your individual position, and then looking at that risk. You are um, another part of uh, of evidence based investing. You say is also about prob uh, probabilistic thinking. Speak to us about probabilistic uh, thinking. Yeah. Uh, People in general tend to think, make decisions in terms of um, black and white. Um, like if I put my money here, you know, this is probably, this is going to happen. This is not going to happen. Um, in general, we, we try to simplify things and approach decision-making just in terms of kind of like yes and no. Um, but in reality, every decision we make has some gray areas. So the really, the, you know, a good approach to any kind of, um, oh, any kind of, you know, important or somewhat complicated financial decision 
is to uh, to weigh kind of weigh your decision in terms of well I think this probably might turn out this way on you know whatever your confidence level is you might say I'm 75% certain that this is going to happen uh, but I'm 25% unsure so um, you know what kind of what kind of risk do I want to take? Mm-hmm. Now you also talk about um, you know, I guess the psychological understanding of, of, of ourselves as humans in general. Uh, you know, this is a lot. I mean, we've never, you know, you, you, I don't know if people normally equate all of these things with investing. So unpack that part for us. Yeah, well, as humans and as decision makers and investors, our, the way our brain works, and I really think the way our brains has evolved to work, can really screw us up. Um, we uh, we have these cognitive biases uh, that can make us really make um, even inconsistent decisions. Um, there's a lot of the um, kind of psychological uh, investment decision making I've studied have have been um, worked by say uh, oh there's a few behavioral economics. Um, um, researchers uh, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky uh, kind of were the uh, foundation of this but they did a lot of um, actual real-world experiments and found that um, people make very inconsistent decisions uh, just based on looking at problems in different ways um, mm-hmm. for example um, yeah, what, like one of their uh, experiments, and this goes back to the probably 60s and 70s, was that they found uh, that, for instance, if there was a play and a group of people went out to see a play, and way back then it cost maybe $10 for a ticket. Well, mm-hmm. if they had, say they had more money than they needed in their wallet, but they lost uh, $10 on the way to the play, well, most everybody would show up and still want, still pay $10 for the ticket to go see the play. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what they found was that if people bought the ticket for $10, walked in and they lost the ticket before they got actually into the show, um, and then were asked, well, do you want to go back and buy another ticket? They would say, no, that's, that'd be too expensive. That'd be paying $20 for this play and I, that's more than I'm willing to pay. But if you think about it, it's really the same circumstance. It's just framed, the problem is framed uh, exactly where they lost that money. Mm-hmm. So uh, what they're doing is people are making these inconsistent decisions on uh, how they're going to spend their money, um, just slightly changing the way they're looking at the problem. Fascinating, fascinating. Is this what you also talk about in terms of we still, many investors sometimes have their own worst enemies? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and really, that uh, that plays in in terms of volatility, say in investments. Uh, as I was mentioning earlier, if um, you know the probably the surest way to make money in the long term, uh, relatively safely. Um, you know, in this country has been to invest in for the long term in in the stock market, a broad index of companies. And you could apply that 
you can now invest in the whole world. You know, the U.S. is about uh, nearly half of the world stock market, but you can easily get it by a low-cost world stock market fund. Um, but it's going to have some volatility. So what often investors do is they they say, okay, I'm going to put my money in here for the long term, but you know, on average, about every four or five years, there's a big stock market drop. And when this happens, invariably, people start to panic and they start to sell out thinking, oh, you know, I can't, I can't afford these losses. And then they'll be out of the stock market for, say, a few years, things correct, uh, you know, the prices start going back up. And they see that. And then what they do is buy back in. So they're doing exactly what really you're not supposed to do. They're, they're buying in when things are looking good and then they're selling after things kind of, you know, have a, have a drop. Um, there was a, a kind of a fascinating um, anecdote and I, I'm, it's debatable whether it's, it's a real study, but supposedly there was one of the big investment firms um, put together data for going back years on their individual investors to mm-hmm. try to find tra- traits of investors that performed well and did not perform well. And the big joke about it was um, they said, well, okay, that our best investors were either dead or they forgot they had accounts with us <laughs> because they just didn't do anything. They, they left their money alone in a, in a uh, you know, good low cost mutual fund. And sure, it had its ups and downs, but after whatever, you know, 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, just about it, just about any 20 year time period in uh, in the stock markets, you know, if you're if you're broad based enough, makes a pretty good return. Wow, that's fascinating. They they never claimed it or or completely forgot about it. Probably thought it wasn't going to amount to anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. Now you mentioned that you have you've achieved. Uh, financial independence pretty early, pretty pretty uh, early on in, in your life. How were you, how old were you when you um, arrived at that financial freedom? Well, I was probably in my early 40s when I realized I had enough money that I could retire and just live on investments. Um, I I really loved what I was doing, um, so I, I worked until I was about 48 and uh, actually left my permanent job, um, you know, because, well, for one reason, because I could. um, And there's, there's a lot to be said for having, you know, having enough money yourself not to be tied to a nine to five job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did it change your life? Oh, I'm really, I I can, I can do what I like. Um, I'm not tied into a routine like you know getting up at a certain time kind of the 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 same old grind in other words um i've i think my curiosity for for things has has really uh peaked i'm not i'm not tied into a certain discipline and a certain job so um for instance my my background was as an engineer and i like to figure out the way things work um one of the things I'm really fascinated with now that I'm more or less retired is I'm fascinated by the way the the human mind works, really how we make decisions, how, um, 
you know, why people do what we do. Um, so for the past few years, I've really been um, kind of a student of um, behavioral psychology, um, you know, involved with, uh, with the financial and other types of human decision making and how we can actually improve our decision making. Mm-hmm. This is great. Who are some of, who are some of your uh, um, role models, uh, mentors, people who've shaped your, your ideas uh, over the years? Yeah, well, you know, I had mentioned um, the psychologists uh, Kahneman and Tversky. Um, so they're, I'd consider them more or less the fathers of uh, behavioral economics, tying uh, the field of economics to psychology, because mm-hmm. basically all, all economics is is, um, it, you know, it's more than just financial and money. It's how humans interact with money. So it's there's a lot of psychology that really comes into play. Um, some, um, actually, uh, one of uh, one's currently living um, financial sage that I, I really listen to is Charlie Munger, and a lot of a lot of your listeners may not be aware of the name Charlie Munger, but he is Warren Buffett's business partner. Um, oh, okay. And, and, you know, of course, pretty much everybody, I think, is familiar with Warren Buffett, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the brilliant investor. Um, Charlie Munger is, I'm not going to say he's necessarily smarter than, than uh, Warren Buffett, but uh, he writes and gives a lot of talks um, that just has such practical advice. Um, so if, if anybody's really wanting to explore um, kind of the uh, not just financial but um, decision-making advice on a sort of an easy to understand level uh, I'd really recommend listening to Charlie Munger Um, also for for starters too we I think and I think we both have a mutual friend in common uh, Dr. Gleb Sikorsky who has been on your show yeah, Gleb is the founder and president of an organization that I contribute to called Intentional Insights, um, which uses a, basically more or less a, a science, scientific uh, method for um, wise decision making, um, improving thinking, to basically better better people's outcomes, uh, improve their lives. So, uh, yeah, anybody kind of interested in um, wise decision-making kind of with a scientific approach, um, rationality, um, I'd recommend uh, listening to uh, to Gleb and um, looking up uh, in, intentionalinsights.org. Is, uh, yeah. is the, the, uh, it's a non- nonprofit corporation. That's the website. Uh, it was the first time that I heard of a scientific goal setting, and uh, it, 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 it's, you know, I don't want to say foolproof, but it's foolproof. I mean, it's amazing. It absolutely <laughs> is amazing uh, that that you can, and I mean, whether it's, yeah, and you know, Gleb, of course, you know, we'll say this, it's whether you're trying to pick, a, you know, what cereal to buy to, to uh, where you're going to move if you need to relocate. I mean, it, it, it's, such a the applications can be used in such a broad uh, uh, such a broad way. It's absolutely amazing. And he also talks yeah. about those problem uh, uh, problematic problematic thinking and 
and all of those biases uh, and critical thinking errors, uh, errors as well. Absolutely amazing scientists. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's and when people hear rationality and science-based, uh, they they tend to maybe back off and think, well, you know, I, I like to base my decisions on emotion, and I'm I'm more <laughs> an emotional person, and and that's that's great. Uh, and this approach, it's not denying your emotions. It's it's understanding that yeah, we're all human. You know, we have emotions. Uh, those, and we should take that into account. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes those emotions can lead us astray and into like re- making really bad decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. On the other hand, on the, on the other hand, we don't want to all be, uh, you know, if we were, if we were all perfectly rational, a hundred percent rational, um, you know, like a Spock creature on uh, Star Trek, um, that, that would probably not go so well either uh, because exactly. uh, just the nature of ourselves, uh, you know, we, we are emotional creatures and, you know, we need to recognize that. Uh, Warren Buffett said, you know, if you are emotional about money, you're never going to have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is one of his big things is when it comes to investing, you've got to leave emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Give us some give, give us some advice for for some of the young people that might be listening, or are just about to enter the workforce. You know, there's a huge huge influx of Generation Ys getting ready to enter. It's about 86 million of them, and uh, it's literally they're going to change the the literally change the planet and change the way America uh, looks, acts, and thinks. What would you give uh, a Gen Y um, uh, going into the workforce today? Yeah, well, you know, my my gut reaction is uh, don't listen to anybody's advice, uh, but uh, <laughs> which is kind of paradoxical because uh, you know I, I say that half jokingly, but uh, I would say be be skeptical about uh, about taking advice. Um, you know, especially financially, there's there's all kinds of get rich quick. Um, peddlers out there, different, you know, different schemes, whether uh, it be, as I mentioned earlier, real estate, or mm-hmm. now's the time to buy, now's the time to buy gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a- approach that with, um, you know, that, that skeptical thinking. Um, and, you know, there's a few, kind of a few um, broad-based views you can take on that. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, think, probabilistically um, take take an outside take the outside view of a problem um, you know kind of step back from your immediate self um, try to look at you know a decision you're going to make sort of as an outsider and think well you know how can this go right or how can this go wrong mm-hmm. um, and Kind of re, you know, re, reframe the situation you're in. Um, look at things from different perspectives. Uh, I love it. This is good stuff. Well, you know, I want you to come back on the show um, because uh, you're you're a walking wealth of of, uh, of information and encyclopedia, and you have done it, and you're still doing it. Uh, and I think, you know, I can delve a little deeper into some of the other concepts that you were talking about. 
Uh, are you? I, is there a point where you're going to write a book for us? Well, I've written some articles, um, and I'm I'm actually still in the process of uh, writing some articles uh, on you know generally decision making, but more specifically towards um, personal finance. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't really have a specific goal to put out a book, um, but if I write write enough articles and I think there's some content there, uh, you know, maybe I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> kind of more of yeah. I'm kind of more of a, a process-oriented person than a goal-oriented person. You know, I I, uh, I tend to get into a process of doing things like investing and writing a little bit and just a process that I love. Um, the exact outcome ne- isn't necessarily that important other than that, you know, I don't want to be uh, – live in poverty, um, mm-hmm. but um, if I can – if I can put enough together to contribute to uh, or to to write a book to contribute to help people make better decisions, then uh, yeah, that might be might be something I'll do. All right, we'll we'll be waiting uh, patiently for those decisions. Thank you so much, Peter, for being with me today. Okay, well, uh, thank you, Felipe. It's my, my pleasure. Absolutely, buddy. Take care. All right, you too. All right, bye-bye. bye bye.